Check Me Out is made possible in part by a grant from Humanities Texas, the state affiliate of the National Endowment for the Humanities. One of my favorite reviews that I got from someone that read it is they said it gave them nightmares. And I had no idea that I wanted to give nightmares to someone so badly. (laughs) But I realized that that was a lifelong dream that had been achieved. And I was very excited. You're like, thank you, person. Thank you. I hope it's really, really bad. Yeah, I do too. (laughs) You will know it is time to turn the page when you hear the chimes ring like this. Welcome to Check Me Out, a podcast for book lovers. I'm Amy Hart, and this episode, we are going off the page with author Ryan McSwain. He is the author of the horror thriller Monsters All the Way Down and the superhero meta-fantasy Four Color Bleed. He lives in Amarillo with his wife and two children, and he works as a freelance writer. He loves cult novels, comic books, board games, and weird movies. You can find him on Twitter, Facebook, and at Ryan McSwain. It is my honor to welcome Ryan McSwain. Howdy. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. How are you? I am fantastic. I've been looking forward to this. Well, we have been as well. You know, I met you. um, We invited you on the podcast. You were on the Boom Pow Wham episode with Carrie. (laughs) And the two of you struck up like such a great friendship that day, which was it's so fantastic. I love when that happens, when we hear you out talking in the hall and we're like, no, save it for the podcast. Like, don't do that. That guy knows um, his th- comic books. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was super fun. And so you brought me both of your books and I had no idea that you were an author when we asked you to be on the show because we, I think, was it Baker that actually uh, was our go-between? Yes. Baker is, Jonathan Baker is a fantastic person because he always hooks me up with these great opportunities to talk to people like you. And I, yeah, that's exactly yeah, how it happened. He's lovely. We, we've had him on, on the podcast several times. And so if he recommends that someone come on the show, we're like, absolutely. Because I mean, he obviously knows what he's talking about. And so I was like, I'm sure whoever he brings to us is going to be great. And you walk in with these two books, but I did not know that you were an author whenever we agreed to have you on the show. <laughs> so then I was like, uh, well, we've got to do an off the page with you. Well, so that's why you're comic here. Book fan first, author second, probably. Well, that's that's okay. (laughs) You know, I'm a music fan first, so I get it. Anything past that. Yeah, yeah, it's like, you know, it's uh, I I like that you're a man of many different uh, genres and talents, though. So so I do want to talk about um, your books. You you've written two books. Which one which one came first? The first one I put out was Monsters All the Way Down. So you started with a horror book. That's interesting. (laughs) Yes. And I. That's actually how I became an independent author was because originally I said, you know what, I'm going to go the traditional route. And it turns out, at least at that time, there weren't many agents that were even willing to read horror. So I thought it would be like with movies, a director gets their start. They put out a horror movie because you... If something's bad, you can just throw a bunch of blood on it, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but it turns out that that's not the case with with writing. It was not – I thought it would be an easier way to break in and that was not the case. But it was the book I wanted to write and I'm really thrilled with how it turned out. And what year was that that you released that? I believe that was – I'm going to have to check my uh, – I can check the page here. I put that out in 2014. Okay. And then after that, you wrote a second one. So so it went well enough that you decided to do it all again. <laughs> Either that or the insanity just had completely <laughs> taken hold at that point. So 
Yeah, I get that. Uh, because it, and that's what I think people, if you've never even attempted to write a first draft of something, it is so much work. And I think, you know, Stephen King makes it look easy. He's just in there <laughs> cranking out, you know, he's cranking out novel after novel. But in reality, you know, when you have a wife and kids and, uh, you know, you're trying to make money elsewhere, what is that like to try to balance all of those things? I'll tell you what, it's absolutely crazy. When you go back and you hear about Stephen King writing Carrie, like at his kitchen table, or Ray Bradbury writing Fahrenheit 451 on type, a typewriter in a library that he had to put coins in, it was like a pay-as-you-type typewriter. Oh, I mean, you hear stories like that, and it it's absolutely insane when you're trying to do this with a full-time, the full-time responsibilities of life. At the time uh, I wrote Monsters All the Way Down, I was one of the only people who admitted to being a stay-at-home dad in Amarillo. I actually, I ended up on the cover of Amarillo Magazine, not because I had just put out a book and I got on the cover, not because I was a writer, but because I stayed home with my kids, right? Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they, they, they put a cover of me opening up my shirt, revealing a Superman shirt, and they had no idea that I was a comic book nut and that they were really enabling me in an unhealthy way. <laughs> but uh, uh, the first one I wrote, I, I, had, I had stopped working in my previous career uh, because we decided it was would be the best solution for staying home with my son. And so I thought, oh, this will be great. I'll stay home. I'll work on my writing. And I had no idea what that really meant. <laughs> yeah, oh, uh, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. The first few, my son is such, he's such a great kid now. He's 10 now. But at the time when he was really little, we're, we're talking as a newborn, he was very quiet. He was a sleeper. Everybody hated us. And for the first few months, I, I could write a lot. But as he got older and a little more and needed more things, I started mm-hmm. to realize, oh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a dad first, a writer second. And that, and that totally was fine. But I still wanted to write this book. And most of Monsters All the Way Down, if you read through it, I know it reads there are, there's some craziness in there. And a lot of that's because I wrote that book almost exclusively in the middle of the night. Wow. Uh, after everyone else in the house went to bed. So, so lack of sleep and you're writing a horror, you know, genre. I'm oh, sure yeah. it, it was a little crazy. It, it was. It actually, the basic idea started out as more of a thriller. And then I guess as the sleep deprivation sent in, it tilted more and more <laughs> to, to the scary stuff. <laughs> And tell me, let's let's talk about the premise of that that book of first. Uh, okay, monsters all the way down, and uh, it deals with a, a young man, Brendan Wade. He's a regular guy. He's a little bit down on his luck, and he applies for a job that requires a blood test to do a DNA background check. And what that does is the DNA background check links him to an unsolved murder. He doesn't remember committing a murder. He didn't commit a murder. He feels he's innocent, but it doesn't matter. He gets pulled into this world of murder and insanity, and it slowly gets crazier and crazier as the book moves on. He ends up meeting Joan Russeter, who is a a woman who is a survivor of an attack by the person that he is he is suspected of being, and they go out to try and find out what, what what's the truth and what really happened. I really enjoyed this one. Um, I love the horror genre. I like mysteries. So, you know, it's it's playing with the mystery of like what's really going on, right. you know. Um, but I really enjoyed it. And I felt like it was nonstop action. You know, it's one of those books where 
you know, people are on the move a lot. And so um, I really enjoyed the action of this book. So I really liked it. I'm, I'm so glad. <laughs> <laughs> I love when people like it. Uh, I think my one of my favorite reviews that I got from someone that read it is they said it gave them nightmares. And I oh, had no wow. idea that I wanted to give nightmares to someone so badly. <laughs> But I realized that that was a lifelong dream that had been achieved, and I was very excited. So, You're like, thank you, person. Thank I, you. I hope like standing really, up there. Really bad. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I I really enjoyed it, and I can. I mean, the yes, craziness. I think that that best describes it because there's a lot going on in the story, <laughs> and um, knowing now that you wrote a lot of that in the middle of the night, it makes a lot of sense. Well, it was, so. at least it was edited in the, in the daytime, at least. So yeah, yeah. So then, um, after you published that one, how did the publishing process work for that first one? Well, like I said, I started out going um, the traditional route, but. As time went on, I had some really good bites. Uh, the first day I sent out the manuscript, I had uh, several agents get back to me that wanted full manuscripts, but nothing worked out in the long run. And I also had it uh, going through the process at a couple of independent publishers, and that ended up follow- falling through. And I was starting to feel really frustrated. And that was when I first met another Amarillo author named Travis Irwin. He did a workshop for the Texas High Flanks Writers, where I'm a member and he discussed how, with one of his books, it went through the full New York Big Five publishing process. And then right when it was about to be published, they decided they didn't know how to market it. And so it just disappeared. And after that, he decided to become an independent author and uh, become his own publisher. And when I heard that and knowing what I was going through at the time, I I, pro- I don't know if I've made this clear enough to Travis that he really inspired me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that was when I took the plunge and said, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it myself. And I had no idea that that was as crazy as trying to write a novel when you (laughs) were born at home, but I did it. And what it really came down to is I had a first draft that I was really happy with. It had a terrible title. It was months before I renamed it. It was called nothing else mid all the faces. And that was actually something that I had written in my sleep while sitting at the kitchen table. And I just thought it sounded really neat. I woke mm-hmm. up and those that was the last line on the page. And I go, I have no idea what that means, but I think it means. <laughs> it right. But I, uh, I worked on a new name. I, I hired a proofreader and went through that process. I found a cover artist uh, through Reddit. I don't know if you have wasted any of your life on Reddit, but I found a guy on there who was, he had done some free covers for people and they were phenomenal. So I hired him and he did the covers for both my books. Wow. I love both covers. They are really well done. Thank you so, so much. I, yeah. I, I did a tiny bit of direction, but that was mostly a guy from the Netherlands named Rory Harnden. And he just does a phenomenal job. Now, once I had it all put together, I, it took me probably a couple of months to do all the uh, putting it all together and getting it and getting ISBNs and registering, uh, uh, doing business as, as ethos publishing and getting all of that together took much more work than I expected, but it's something that I think is achievable. I mean, if I can do it, just about anyone can do it. So that was, that was the process for monsters all the way down. Well, that's great advice because I think a lot of, 
you know, home authors and, and, you know, if you're just starting out and you're new to this, it, I think can get very frustrating really quick if you let it, you know, so I'm glad, I'm glad you kept working towards it and knowing, I think, like you said, seeing another local author that had gone and published their own and you were thinking it's going to take a lot of work, but it is going to be worth it. Oh, absolutely. And I'm, I'm so thrilled with the way it turned out. And I think, I mean, the book, it's like the words are great, but I also think the presentation is great. And I, a lot of people don't believe I'm an independent author at first because the books look so good. And I, I take that as a huge compliment, but it also reminds me that, I mean, I'm in a pretty crowded market and you want to, you want to make sure that you look professional when you're trying to win over readers. So, well, when you handed them to me, I was, I was like, wait a minute. I thought you were a local guy. Like I really (laughs) thought that too, because they are really well done. I mean, I like the, I don't know. Did you pick the, um, like the type of paper that you use for the outside of the book? Uh, yes, you can. Uh, <laughs> I, I love the days. feel. I love the feel of the books. Like that's like one of my favorite things about your books. <laughs> matte, matte finish is what you want. <laughs> I always prefer it to the gloss on books. I think yeah. it, it holds up better. It looks better. I, I could talk about it for days. But, <laughs> but really, uh, what was I going to say? I was going to say I knew a lot of I've. I've had after the books came out, I've talked to several people, especially after Monsters, where they said, I saw that book. I realized you put it out yourself. And if you if you can do it, I knew that I can do it. Wow. It's so exciting to me. It's like the Velvet Underground. Not everybody listened to that record, (laughs) but everybody that listened to it made their own record. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, totally. That's 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 what I wanted to be. So I was pretty excited about it. I think that they absolutely look professional they look big i mean so i think you succeeded in that thank you yeah so let's talk about four color bleed which is a totally different kind of book than monsters all the way down it is and if you're if you're wanting to break into writing kids you don't want to write your first two books as two different genres but it's what i decided (laughs) to do uh and really to me they're both very similar in the fact they're both very weird I'm, I'm more of a weird fiction writer than I am a horror writer or a fantasy writer or a sci-fi writer. But so, yeah, they're very different. <laughs> so let's talk about what that book. Let's talk about the premise of it. OK. Uh, Four Color Bleed is about a, a man named Ralph Rogers. And he was a during the 90s. He was a kind of a comic. He was kind of a child prodigy artist who broke into comic books and made a big name for himself, but there was a scandal and he, uh, he lost his reputation. And so now he's, he was just struggling to kind of find something new to do. And he ended up finding out about these very rare, obscure comic books. And he decided to track them down. And in the process of tracking them down, reality breaks. And so everything that you ever, like everything that's in comic books that you think was that, is fictional is now in the real world. Uh, so if you think it in a comic book, Atlantis is real. So now Atlantis is a place in the real world. S- superheroes appear. There's chaos everywhere. And he's trying to figure out what happened. How can he, how can he get back to his normal life? So the, one of the things that I really loved about this are um, these superhero like, trading cards i guess what do you call those that are <laughs> okay in the artwork that's yeah. in the book okay uh this is it's carrie right uh-huh. the, 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 carrie would have recognized these these are uh 
back in the 80s, there was uh, Marvel and DC both put out these things. For Marvel, they were the, uh, I think it was the Marvel Encyclopedia, uh, Handbook to the Marvel Universe. And then for DC, they had this series called Who's Who. And I loved Who's Who in the DC Universe. It was, they were these comic books, but every page you would flip to it, it would have a big image of the character and then it would have their biography. And so I wanted to recreate that in Four Color Bleed. So that's what that's what those and, are. And who designed the artwork for those? Well, that was a big part. I, I did a Kickstarter to raise the money to do the book. And the biggest part of the Kickstarter went to paying the artist who I tracked down mostly wow. through Twitter, I think. That's really cool that you're using like technology and, you know, you're searching out for people, but they have all seemed to just work with what you're doing. Oh, absolutely. I try. I really wanted to find some local people. And at the time, I just didn't have the connections. Um, mm-hmm. I am planning on doing a sequel to Four Color Bleed that's in the works. And when I do that, I'll definitely be finding some local artists to be involved with that. Well, very much like your first book, um, it's action packed. You know, I think that you keep really keep the ball rolling. There's lots of fight scenes and then you've developed this whole world. I mean, you do that in both in in both of your books, but um, you've created characters. And, you know, I I thought it was really great. All of the the superheroes and the uh, all the bad guys are really good, too. You know, so I, I think that you're really great at building those worlds. Well, thank you. I, I know when you think fantasy with a not with novels, you usually don't think superheroes, even though that's usually how it's grouped. <laughs> uh, but writing a superhero novel really is a lot like writing a traditional fantasy novel in that you have to invent basically a whole reality. And that's what was so fun about watching. The book starts out in, you know, baseline real world with just a couple of tiny tweaks. But then by the end of the book, you're in this absolutely different, it's very much a different reality with different rules and different locations and different uh, places and races and all of those things. I think that is, um, I, you know, we all talk about, you know, JK Rowling and like building this huge universe and all of these things and, you know, making seven books out of it. And, and, you know, everybody wants to do that, but I cannot imagine the undertaking of the research you have to put into each character, the, you know, the character arcs that you're building for everybody. So did it take you a lot longer to write this one over the first one? Well, uh, looking back, I, if, I don't know if it took, I think they took about the same amount of time date wise, calendar wise, but it definitely took a lot more work in terms of planning. And I, my hope with four color bleed, I've like, we've talked about before. I love comic books. Uh, reading Watchmen for the first time was like a landmark thing in my life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So the, thing with Watchmen and most invented comic book worlds because you have Marvel and DC Comics they have these long histories but they didn't happen all at once it started back in the 30s and characters got added here and there in the 60s it blew up a little more and then just as time goes on these worlds get more and more complicated more and more filled with people then you take something like Watchmen and it has a few characters and there are a few events that have happened my and it was it's a beautiful story but i always wondered could you create a reality 
a comic book type reality that's complicated and full of people and full of life and all these things going on that are just hinted at, could you do that sort of out of whole cloth? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And there's a couple of people who have done that, but I hadn't really seen it done to the scale that I wanted it done. And that was really the hope with Four Color Bleed was to create this completely lived in comic book reality with a history, with dozens and dozens. And I mean, there's probably over a hundred named characters in that book when it comes to things like just different, I call them anomalous instead of just super, but they're the anomalous. And there's, Mm -hmm. there's, there's probably over well over a hundred. And I know I have a list on my computer (laughs) of many, many more than that. Wow. Yeah. I think about the amount of work that must go into that. But I also think that once you, you know, start working on those things and you put yourself in it and you are, you know, there's something about those days when you just write and write and write and it's all just pouring out of you. And I'm assuming that started happening at some point or else you would still be working on it. (laughs) You know what? A lot of Four Color Bleed was, at that point I had realized that if I kept writing in the middle of the night, like I did with uh, Monsters All the Way Down, that I was just going to lose my mind. It just wasn't sustainable. And yeah. a lot of Four Color Bleed was actually written on Sundays because that was the day mm-hmm. I completely set aside and it it was still it was still a lot of work, but I, I I had to let my family know every other day of the week I'm at your beck and call, but on Sunday I have to sit at this desk or I have to get and sit at a coffee shop, do something like that, but I have to work on this book or it's never gonna get finished. And I would try to write there would be Sundays where I would write three, five thousand words. And those wow. were the best Sundays. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I that Those moments where it just keeps just coming and you're like, I feel like I've run out of time. You know, the, the day has ended and you're still wanting to, to, to you know, write more. Oh, yeah. I love those days. So when you write, do you are you the person that needs to have background music? Are you do you like the busy coffee shop or do you like to be in the all quiet? Actually, when I for both of these books, I will make a playlist that feels like the book that I'm re- that I'm writing. For Monsters All the Way Down, it was actually mostly the album Heretic Pride by the Mountain Goats. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it, that book feels like that album. <laughs> yeah. And then for Four Color Bleed, I just found a bunch of songs that felt like they would be written in a world where superheroes were flying around. And I made that playlist and it was kind of a Pavlov, a Pavlovian experiment. You know what I mean? I would put on that music and it would put me in gear. When it comes wow. to uh, getting out, of, for me, a lot of times a change of scenery makes a huge difference. And that's one of the reasons the pandemic has been <laughs> so challenging for for my fiction is because I would, I would struggle for a month or two to, to edit through that book. You know what I mean? Because writing a book, as you probably, you you know, this writing a book is like reading a book a hundred times. It's just Mm -hmm. exhausting. (laughs) It is. Absolutely. Especially in uh, Monsters All the Way Down was a tough edit, but Four Color Bleed, when you're dealing with that many characters, that many events, making it all work together was really challenging. So what I would do is I would go out to a coffee shop and I would just you know, get a cup of coffee, one cup of coffee after the other. And I would, if I could work for four or five hours straight in a coffee shop, it was fantastic. And I would get so much, I would get a week's, I would get a month's worth of work done in a day sometimes. 
what is your process on like keeping it all straight? Um, you know, because I always think like, oh man, did I write that already? I know that's somewhere. You know, like, <laughs> what is your what is your process on keeping everything organized? Okay, I've actually done a workshop called "How to Finish Your Novel or Die Trying," and or I guess it was "How to Finish Your First Draft or Die Trying." Anyway, I actually have a process for this. I don't look back when I'm writing. I I'm like Orpheus, you know, trying to get out of Hades. Mm-hmm. If I look back, all is lost. I will yeah. never finish it. So what I do is I I. I have my main document. I write that book, but then I also have what I call a, um, oh my gosh, I've forgotten the word. (laughs) (laughs) I have an extra file that I keep on hand. And all I do is I go to that file and I will, anytime I have an idea as I'm writing, like, oh, his childhood friend should have been female. You know, I'll go back and I'll put that in my ex, my, that other document. Instead of going back and changing everything, I just say, you know what? I'm going to go back and change that later. And from that point on, I act like it's already changed. And so I continue uh, going through that way. And I take notes in that same extra file. And I got to tell you, it's it's the only way that I could do it. <laughs> because I plan things out ahead of time to an extent. I'm more of a seat of the pants type of writer. So, mm-hmm. But I, I do plan things out to an extent. But if you go back and change everything as you're going... I don't, you could write the same novel 10 times. Yeah. Whereas if yeah. you make, I can't tell you how many times I go back to that file and there's an idea in there that I thought was so great at the time. And I go, ah, that's not, that's a terrible idea. And if I'd yeah. gone back and you know made all those changes, it would have been a nightmare. That is true. That is very true. And are you the person that like you're driving in your car and then it hits you out of nowhere? Like, oh my gosh, I forgot that I need to add X, Y, and Z, you know, or absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) You do the same thing. Oh yes. All the time. Oh yeah. And and it's usually when I'm listening to the playlist I made. So see, I, I think we're, we have very similar writing styles and it sounds like I'm the middle of the night. I go, I will wake up at 3am and I'm like, I totally forgot about this one part. Like, Oh, absolutely. (laughs) How do I forget? Yeah. And, and I've got to tell you, you know, you know, as you, I'm sure you know that you have to write it down right then or it's gone. Oh, absolutely. It's gone. It could it's be the gone best forever. idea. I, <laughs> I, I, I've lost so many good ideas, but I, I did remember, I call them my supplemental files. <laughs> I know I can remember <laughs> the word supplemental, but uh, I, I keep them as Google documents that I then back up in other places too. But because there is a Google document, I can pull it up on my phone. I can pull it up from anywhere yeah. I am and add into that file. And yeah, it it's it saved my life a hundred times. Yeah, my notes section on my phone is just it's out of control. One of the things when you start out writing, doing any any kind of writing, you always think like, I feel like I'm doing this wrong. <laughs> like and, and nobody tells you there's not a right way. You know, but when you don't make Carrie, when you when Carrie's not the book that you wrote, um, you start questioning, like, well, Stephen King did it. Why can't I do it? But I think that, you know, nobody tells you that there's not a right or a wrong way. It's just getting it done. Oh, absolutely. And the, you you find your process as you go. I think it's more of practicality than it is anything else. Writers are a lot like a lot of other things where you try absolutely everything just to see what will work for you. And when you finally land on a process that gets you from A to B, you, you treasure it. And absolutely. like we talked about, 
I know we're still in the throes of this pandemic that's still going on, but it, I never thought of myself as a writer with a process. I just thought of myself as a writer who, who, you know, just looks straight ahead and gets it done. But now I realize all the little things that helped me get that done are, are difficult right now. And mm-hmm. it, it, I'll tell you, it has really made uh, my fiction writing a struggle. My day job where I write for, I guess, mostly for Google robots to read it. <laughs> but uh, a lot of that, I can still get that done because it's it's a different part of my brain. But when it comes to the creative writing, I, I've written several short stories and I've planned things out. But it it's still, it's been very tough. <laughs> Yeah, I I totally understand. And I, you know, because I feel like us creative types, like we do have certain things that we feel like I I have to get out of this house or, you know, I'm a coffee shop writer as well. You know, I can write here, but I like being out in it. And there's something about people walking around and ordering coffee and talking with each other that I somehow blend in and just do what I need to do. Um, and yeah, that's the pandemics made that impossible for us to achieve that. Oh yeah. Uh, you can, you can work out at home, but there's still a reason we go to the gym sometimes, (laughs) you know what I mean? And it makes it going somewhere with a purpose is much different than being at home and also having I, I love my family. My family is the, re- I, I never wrote a book until I had a son. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So my, my family is everything to me, but I'll tell you what, when they were home full time for six months. Yeah. <laughs> I, oh yeah. I'm sure it was a huge struggle. Yeah. It, I, I realized early on, it wasn't a battle that I wanted to fight. I wanted to be with them and I wanted to, and I still had other work I needed to do. So I didn't fight against that as much as I probably could have. But mm-hmm. I think in the long run, I think it saved me more frustration than it would have given me <laughs> productivity. And did you, I mean, was there a certain feeling of guilt whenever they were home and you would try to write or, you know, did you feel guilty that you weren't writing enough or that you were writing too much? I'll tell you, I, I, I had to work through a lot of that with Monsters All the Way Down and Four Color Bleed. Like I said, realizing that I could not be a person who stayed up and wrote for four or five hours a night and be a good dad. Yeah. So it that may have been something that helped me along the line. I think all writers feel guilty when they're not writing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I think a lot of that for me, though, is a matter of I don't feel as... I, it gives me such a sense of satisfaction yeah. when I have, when I have a word count go up, when I finish a short story or when I find an audience for my work, it's such a feeling of, of accomplishment and it's so fulfilling. And I, when I'm not creating something actively, it's very, it, yeah, it, it's it, guilt is part of it, but also a big part of it is just, you're sad that you're not doing one of your favorite things for sure. So let's talk about your family. What do they think of your writing? I think they're, I get a sense that they're a little bit proud of me for doing it. (laughs) Uh, My kids aren't quite old enough to read the books yet. Uh, They, they have read. I think they've read some short stuff that I've written with the intent that they'd be able to read it. And uh, my son, actually the other day, he was having a day off from video games and he said, dad, give me, 
give me a character and a problem. And I go, okay. And I, I gave him one and he started to write a short story right there on the spot. Oh so, man. Yeah. And, <laughs> Proud dad moment. Oh, absolutely. And my daughter has actually been writing some of her own stuff as well. So I think it's one more example of if he can do it, <laughs> if my lame dad can write a story, I can do it too. <laughs> So I, I couldn't be more proud that, and the fact that they, I think they're, I think it's something that they can hold on to. Oh, I guess dad's okay. So. Oh, that's really cool. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you're inspiring them. Oh yeah. My wife is, my wife, Trisha is so supportive. She's incredible. I never would have gotten a single word on the page if it wasn't for her. I don't think. Uh, I also know that she's not my target audience. <laughs> I need to, one of these days I need to write something that's just specifically for her because I, uh, she's not a scary movie person. So yeah, we, we've watched some scary stuff, but monsters all the way down was not her jam. I think it would have given, I think her nightmares might've been too bad. <laughs> so other than hearing about nightmares, do you read the reviews online of your books? Well, um, sometimes I go and check. I am not, I'm not usually one for going through and reading too much criticism. The nightmare thing was something someone said to me personally. So that was, okay. that was definitely something <laughs> that I caught. Yeah. Sorry. If it makes it sound like I'm stalking everyone, that's not the case at all. <laughs> I think, uh, early on when I was, when I first got monsters all the way down out, uh, something you may not realize for authors is how hard it is to get reviews. I actually had a lot of really good ones. And a lot of that was me seeking out book bloggers and mm. people like that. And I, I never paid for a review. I never did anything like that, but it was definitely one of those things where when the first few came in, it was like, Oh, it finally happened. Someone read my book. <laughs> yeah. So, right. Yes. Yeah. So when you were a child, did you know that you wanted to write? Did, were you always writing stories when you were little? I don't have a lot. I guess they call it juvenilia. <laughs> did I pronounce that right? Uh, I don't. I tried to write a lot as a kid. And one of the things that was frustrating, I never had. I talked about my kids just jumping in and starting to write something. I never realized that that was okay. <laughs> Man, I didn't either. I, I did not I know like that. I never had it. I get, I was, I was such a goody two shoes kid. And I guess it was one more thing where I guess I was waiting for someone to give me permission. And I did in high school, I find, I finally started writing. Um, I started writing a book at one point that of course it didn't go anywhere. I was very, <laughs> I, I was, I was doing a lot of things at that point. And then, uh, I, but I jumped in, I wrote a short story once for a contest in middle school but I never got the idea that writing was something that I could just do on my own. Well, I didn't either. So I hope that we are telling people just go write something like it's okay. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it makes you feel better. It gives you a sense of accomplishment. It's, it's one of the only, th it's one of the few things that you can do without having to buy anything. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's plenty, there's plenty of great books on writing. There's plenty of great equipment, but you, pen and paper, you can create a whole universe. What do you think makes a good story? Ooh, that, that, that's a big question. It is a big question. <laughs> that's why I'm asking it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, th that's one of those things for me. A lot of it is an emotional connection. And you can achieve that through a lot of different ways. 
I know that conflict, having a good conflict is a, a, a great way to do that. For me, I generally focus on eliciting that emotional response. And however I go about that, whether it's through characters that you come to care about, a situation that really pulls you in, but whatever it is, I'm the kind of guy, I cry at movies, I, I cry if the right commercial comes on. You <laughs> that's know my I mean? husband, so yeah. So, oh yeah, oh yeah, we're softies yeah. and that's okay. Yeah, um, it's a great thing because I, I, I'm, I'm focusing on the reader's experience and trying to make them feel this, whether it's this weird feeling that I have, like the world is falling apart, or whether it's this feeling I have, like I want someone to feel that friendship or that loss, whatever it is, I'm, I'm just trying to communicate that through that psychic link. Yeah. Oh, I think that's, I love all of those, those answers. And I totally agree with all of that. So yeah, I think it's just, it's, it's evoking emotion to me. So I totally agree. Very cool. I, I will have to read some of your well, stuff sometime. I'm working on a screenplay right now. So hopefully one day you get to see it and I don't even have to let you read it, which would be ideal. Oh. Um, Let's talk about your favorite authors. Like, who inspired you? I mean, obviously, we've talked about Stephen King, which I think I think Stephen King has inspired everybody. It's like the Beatles, you know, like whether you know oh, it or not, absolutely. he's inspiring you. Um, but who are your favorite authors? And is there a book that you think is like the perfect novel? Oh, wow. These are some great questions. <laughs> well, when it comes to favorite authors, one of the ones that really inspired me a ton, uh, I was actually reading one of his books when my, uh, in the hospital when my son was born. <laughs> so it kind of all worked through. Uh-huh. It was uh, uh, Philip K. Dick. I, I just love Philip K. Dick. Uh, he, uh, the guy who gave us Blade Runner and uh, Total Recall and those Hollywood movies that were based on his great books. But Ubik was a book that he wrote where the Four Color Bleed is very much comes from that. Mm. <laughs> I, of this a person experiencing reality that is constantly shifting and changing around them and not having control over it and just trying to figure things out. So I love Philip K. Dick. He has the, the paranoia in his stories is something that I've tried to put in both of my books and that sense of reality being at best a suggestion. Yeah, that's right. So, I've actually never read any of his novels, so I would love to check those out. Oh, I, I absolutely recommend Ubik. It is fantastic. He, there he, he is a there are t- at times he is problematic <laughs> especially in today's world but for the most part he was very forward thinking and mm-hmm. i yeah I, I at one point i was thinking oh man how was he so prolific yeah. i wish i could be i wish i could write like him as much as him and then i found out it was a lot of it was amphetamines so, oh <laughs> yeah i said oh there's a secret <laughs> you know, it's funny when we, I mean, I think we all have those people who are like, man, that's so brilliant. Like, how did they come up with that? And then you're like, oh, it was a lot of hallucinogenics. So, yeah, I'm going to not do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> going to stay away from that. Um, that's, that's one that I really love. Um, oh, I'm trying to think of some of the great stuff. I, I read I, I read a lot. So, And let's talk about that. Like this during the pandemic, everybody's home. Um, are you reading more or do you think you're reading less this year? Ooh, that's a good question. I think I've read probably a little bit more this year. I've gone through 
several of the cult novels that I've been wanting to read for a long time. I just read uh, the bloody uh, the bloody chamber. I don't know what that is. Uh, by Angela Carter. I think you would absolutely love it. It's uh, she was a literary writer, but her stories are so approachable, and she she released the bloody chambers are kind of her takes on folk tales and fairy tales. Interesting. Yeah, that sounds oh. right up my alley. <laughs> oh, short and sweet and quick. It is. It's amazing. I, it, very scary too at times. But uh, yeah, it was. I did. I did find myself picking up books a few more times than usual. But like I said, a lot of the time during the day that was quiet for me. <laughs> For a long time, wasn't yeah. so. I guess there was some give and take on that. Yeah, I think I think it's affected everybody's. You know, and it, did the pandemic affect the type of books that you typically read? You know, uh, I think one of the things that I struggled with with my writing was I write things that are like the real world, but a little bit weird, uh-huh. and then progressively <laughs> get a lot more weird. And twenty twenty was I couldn't compete. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, I get, I totally get that. Yeah, if I'd woken up and superheroes were real, it would have been a. It would have not. I don't know how many people would have even noticed in 2020. You know what I mean? Well, it's like the the alien thing and the monoliths right now. You know, everybody's <laughs> like, "Is this really happening?" I could totally believe it at this point. Oh, so, yeah. But one book I did find during the pandemic, and Jonathan Baker turned me onto it. Actually, was a novel by Anna K- Anna Kaven. I think it is. Okay. It's called Ice. Mm. And it's uh, it was very much uh, this very cold, desolate world where things were confusing and infuriating and difficult. And it was such a great book to find <laughs> during the pandemic. Nice. So. Well, very good. Well, I really appreciate you sitting down to talk with me. I love talking about writing styles. And I'm glad that you like many of us, I mean, I think nobody really tells you unless you come from a family full of writers, they don't tell you that it can be, you know, a career option. <laughs> like, really? I oh, mean, absolutely. Um, and, and that it really does take just starting. It really does. Uh, it, there's there's you don't need permission. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I, I think that's true with a lot of things. And I I'm I hearing you talk about you as a child. It reminds me of me because I was very the do gooder like, you know, and I needed permission to, for someone to say, go ahead and write. That's fine. You know, but I didn't. And so <laughs> I'm just like the same way. I waited way too. I felt like I waited way too long, but it, it there's no time limit on this. You know, there is not. Um, there is it's just limit. doing it. So, so exactly. what is next for you? You said that there's probably going to be a sequel to four color bleed. What else? There will, there will be a sequel to four color bleed. Uh, I, it's, the plan is to make it a trilogy, and then I already have some short stories to go along with it. So there will. Everybody says you should have four books if it's four color bleed. So yeah, oh. there'll be three novels and then some short stories on the side. So four. Um, I also have a novel that is uh, ready to. It the first draft has been done for a while. It's very much uh, all of my books have kind of a a version of Amarillo in them. I call it Flatland. And the next one is takes place completely in Flatland uh, in my alternate Amarillo. And it's a young man who works for he works for a nuclear facility, mm-hmm. a nuclear weapons facility. <laughs> Sounds in, familiar. You know, yes. In no way based on real life at all. And it, it's about a guy who he's 
been through some trauma in his life and he comes to the conclusion that he has been replaced by a robot. Oh. And he is that robot. Oh. So he comes to the conclusion that he's a robot that replaced himself. So, oh, wow. Yeah. So that novel deals with him, whether or not that's true and how that, <laughs> how he deals with that. So there's that. And then I have another Flatland book called Flatland Funnies that will be uh, that. And it's, it's an all ages book. That's mostly finished. And it's a collection of stories uh, about uh, some 12 year olds in 1959, just having a great summer. Wow, that sounds awesome. You know, I asked you, um, we were on a Zoom uh, poetry reading thing, and I, yes. I asked you about Flatland because I literally went and Googled it. And I was like, is there a Flatland, <laughs> Texas that I haven't heard of? And then you were like, no, it's Amarillo. And I was like, it's Amarillo, oh, 100%. Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. Right. yeah uh, everything, uh, the high school uh, that is a location in Monsters All the Way Down, that's Amarillo High School. I just burned it down at a different time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I heard somebody, uh, who was it? They said Amarillo is like Twin Peaks. It's just a bizarre place in some ways. It really is. It really is. And I don't think a lot of people pick up on that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, There's so many converging ideologies and people and art and, you know, cowboys. And it's like, there's so many different um, types of people. And it, yeah, it very much is. I totally agree with you. Oh, absolutely. So yeah, I, it, it, and it's not a place that people, it's not the kind of place that people generally would write about. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and I don't know why that is because like I said, it's very interesting. It's enthralling. Well, Ryan, thank you so much. I look forward to uh, reading your next uh, novels that you're going to have coming out. I'm really excited about those. And uh, I really appreciate you sitting down with me. I I look forward to seeing your screenplay. Well, thank you. I I, I hope they (laughs) cast it to your liking. Me too. (laughs) I hope it happens at all. Um, We we make things happen. That's what's true. That's true. I'm dreaming it. Be it. Live it. (laughs) Thank you, Ryan. Thank you. Check Me Out is recorded in the FM90 and Panhandle PBS studios on the Washington Street campus of Amarillo College. The show is produced by Hillary Halsey and me, Amy Hart. Big thank yous to Colin Lutz, Jake Day for being our editor, Stevie Brashears for designing our logo, and the Mag7 for providing music. Check us out on Facebook. And make sure you hit subscribe wherever you may be listening.